Law and Liberty. This is a Reconstructionist radio production. Please visit calcedon.edu to download this book or purchase a physical copy. Law and Liberty. Russus J. Rushdoony. Copyright 1984 and 2009. Alicito, California. Chapter 27. The Flight from Life. One of the dominant aspects of modern life is escapism. Not only in literature, but in all the arts, there is a rebellion against the realities of life and a systematic attempt to find a refuge in a dream world. A prominent area of escape for the past century has been the academic world, the university in particular. Men who find the realities of the workday world unpleasant turned to the university as a way out. It was not scholarship they loved, but the business world which they hated. To them, the test of a working world was anathema. They were, in a sense, a new kind of hermit, running away from the civilised world and renouncing it for a new way of life. Speaking of some of these men in England, the critic, Edmund Wilson, spoke of them as belonging to the, quote, monastic order of English university ascetics, end quote. Their asceticism was forsaking the world of capitalism and Christianity, the world of the family and its morality, for a new order, an anti-Christian one. Everything in the world was and is to these men evil and anathema, and they denounce it with religious intensity and passion. The basic fallacy of these men was and is their flight from reality. Now, a rebellion against the injustices and evils of this world is a healthy and necessary reaction in every generation. Progress is, in part, a product of discontent, an unwillingness to accept the status quo and the desire to establish better law and order, greater justice and a stronger sense of community. Inventions have been a product of man's restlessness with inadequate devices and a desire to improve on techniques and devices. Progress, however, comes not only when men move in terms of a sense of reality, not in a flight from reality. To cite a commonplace illustration, two brothers from a particularly underprivileged home both sought to escape it. One sought refuge in liquor first and then later in narcotics. The other studied at night until he was able to qualify for a responsible and well-paying position. But history has periodically seen men in full rebellion against reality and in flight from it. They seek to conform life and reality to their dream world, to impossibilities which seem wonderful in imagination, but produce horror and destruction when forced on to reality. For a man of 75 to dream of being 21 again is foolish enough, but to attempt to play the part of a young man of 21 is insanity. It is a flight from both reality and life, because life can be lived only in terms of reality. The university is still a major form of escapism, the perpetual student who is unwilling to grow up and leave the university is a common fact today. Most universities are crowded with non-students or unweaned students who cling to the world because they are unwilling to face the hated adult world of work and responsibility. Politics, however, has become an even more important form of escapism. The political escapist hates reality and he plans to abolish reality by means of political action. Basic to the biblical faith is individual responsibility. Man is a sinner, accountable to God, redeemable only by Jesus Christ, and the focal point of social change 
must be the heart of man. But because man is a sinner, he is unwilling to accept responsibility for his sin, nor is he ready to blame himself for his failures. Instead, his basic presupposition is that all is well with him and all is wrong with the world. Therefore, his every answer to his problems is to change the world, not himself. For Karl Marx, this meant revolution. Marx had a religious belief in the power of revolution to create a paradise on earth. The result of the destruction of the old order would be the birth of a new order. This faith was plainly stated by the Marxists in Russia in the Second Congress of the Party, August 1903. Quote, By introducing social instead of private ownership of the means of production and exchange, by introducing well-regulated organisation in the social process of production, so that the well-being and the many-sided development of all members of society may be ensured, the social revolution of the proletariat will abolish the division of society into classes and thus emancipate all oppressed humanity and will put an end to all forms of exploitation on one part of society by another. End quote. It was actually believed that the revolution would abolish exploitation and class division. In actuality, it increased them. This 1903 manifesto is one of the four great communist manifestos. Some of the things this manifesto called for are of interest. Thus, it called for, quote, local self-government on a wide scale, home rule for all localities where the population is of special composition and characterised by special conditions of life, end quote. It also demanded, quote, inviolability of person and dwelling, unlimited freedom of religion, speech, press, assembly, strikes and unions, freedom of movement and occupation, end quote. Of course, the very opposite of this is the rule in all Marxist countries. But this is not all. The manifesto called for an, quote, eight-hour workday for all hired labour, end quote, and also for the, quote, complete prohibition of overtime work, end quote, and the, quote, prohibition of night work from 9pm to 6am in all the branches of national economy, with the exception of those in which this is absolutely necessary because of technical considerations approved by labour organisations, prohibition of the employment of children of school age, prohibition of women's labour in all branches of industry injurious to women's health, end quote. The manifesto cited, quote, the need for a complete socialist overturn as the only way of abolishing all poverty and exploitation, end quote. The, quote, necessary condition for this social revolution is the dictatorship of the proletariat, end quote. The revolution, according to the manifesto, would bring about a transition from, quote, barbarism, the Tsarist monarchy, end quote, to, quote, a democratic republic whose constitution would guarantee, end quote, liberty. The reality, of course, is that the revolution which Marxists of 1903 brought about in 1917 in Russia not only did not bring about the glorious new world they dreamed of, but created a tyranny which executed virtually every surviving framer of the 1903 manifesto. Instead of a glorious liberty, the result was a brutal reign of terror, one which continues to this day. The root cause of the failure of the Marxist dream is that it represents a flight from reality. Marxism denies the biblical doctrine of original sin. Instead of dealing realistically with man as sinner, it holds to the neutral or even good nature of man and his perfectibility. This means that, instead of distrusting man and hedging him in with checks and balances in the state, 
Marxism trusts power in the hands of men and creates a totalitarian state. The result of this inability to see man as he is is an inability to live in terms of reality. The Marxist lacks the capacity to govern because he knows neither his own nature nor the nature of man everywhere. He lives under the illusion that his Marxist dream represents inevitable historical truth instead of error. As a result, his mental perspective is no different than that of the insane. He regards his illusions as reality and insists on living in terms of his illusions. As a consequence, his government can produce only chaos and destruction. It is a perpetual hindrance to the very productivity it demands of the people. The Marxist state accuses the people of sabotaging the national economy when the actual saboteur is the Marxist state. This flight from reality infects more than the Marxists of our time. It affects, as we have seen, the world of the university. It also affects liberalism, which builds also on the fallacious premise of the goodness of man. Some forms of political conservatism, because they reject Christian foundations, are guilty of the same illusion concerning man. Every failure to recognise man as a sinner, every failure to face reality as it is before we begin to deal with it constructively, is not only a flight from reality, but a flight from life. We are running away from life if we refuse to face it as it is, if we demand that life conform itself to our illusions. Dostoevsky saw clearly the implications of the radical thinkers of his day. Starting from unlimited freedom, they arrived at unlimited despotism. Mankind was divided into two unequal parts. Quote, One-tenth is to enjoy absolute freedom and unbounded power over the other nine-tenths. The others must give up all individuality and become something like a herd to attain, through boundless submission and by a series of regenerations, a state of primeval innocence, something like the Garden of Eden, end quote. In effect, what the advocates of this socialist world demands is a right to become gods and rule over all other men. For men to imagine themselves to be gods is a flight from reality into monstrous delusions. Dostoevsky has a radical declare, quote, Everyone belongs to all, and all belongs to everyone. All are slaves and equal in their slavery. Slaves are bound to be equal. Without despotism, there has never been freedom or equality, but in the herd there is bound to be equality. The moments you have family ties or love, you have the desire for property. We will destroy that desire. We shall reduce everything to a common denominator, complete equality, complete obedience, complete loss of individuality. Dostoevsky attempted to warn man what was coming, but men failed to heed his warning because they shared the same humanistic illusions concerning man. They refused to face the fact of man's total depravity. They were themselves too guilty of the desire to be gods to see this urge as sin in other men. Basic to every flight from reality is a flight from creaturehood, an unwillingness to accept the fact that we are men, not gods. Satan's basic temptation, and man's original sin, is the attempt to be as gods, knowing or determining good and evil for ourselves. Genesis 3.5 Man was created by God to be a man, not a god, and given a glorious destiny as a man under God. Man was summoned to be a king, priest and prophet under God over the earth, but man sinned by attempting to be his own God. In Jesus Christ, man is restored to his destiny 
apart from Jesus Christ, man lives under the illusion that his sin to be as God is fact and the attempts to make his word become flesh, that is, his illusion to become fact. The consequence is destruction and chaos. Every flight from reality is suicidal. It is a flight also from life. Life can be realized in its potentialities only on God's terms, not man's. Christ's words, speaking as wisdom, are still true. Quote, he that sinneth against me wrongeth his own soul. All they that hate me love death. End quote. Proverbs 8.36 The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network brings to you a complete lineup of podcasts where you will hear practical and tactical theology. Our desire is not simply that you consume our shows, but that you also live out your faith in every area of life. We can talk all day long about these things, but if we fail to put them into practice, then we fail as ambassadors of Jesus Christ, our King. Subscribe now to your favorite Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network shows. Or you can subscribe to the Reconstructionist Radio Master Feed, where all of the content we produce, including the audiobooks and audio articles, will pop up as soon as they are available. And don't forget to visit ReconstructionistRadio.com to volunteer as a narrator or to partner with this ministry financially. May the Holy Spirit stir you into action for Christ and His kingdom.